Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 15, beginning with verse 22, and we are going to talk about the subject of healing today. And actually, we're beginning a series. We're going to be discussing this for a little while. In verse 22, the Bible says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Everyone had just finished singing and and dancing and celebrating because the Egyptian army drowned in the Red Sea. Then Miriam grabbed her tambourine and all the women followed her and they went out singing. And this was the words of their song, the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. But here we learn some things because a, a, probably one of the greatest generals in, in, in history made this observation. He said, the most dangerous moment comes with victory. Modern generals tend to say right after victory. But why do they say that? Because after winning a victory, it's easy to lose discipline. It's easy to become overconfident and start to take winning for granted. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, which was probably part of the Arabian desert. And you know, winning the battle doesn't always mean the war is over. And yeah, it was true that God had uh, defeated the old Egyptian problem, but that didn't mean they wouldn't face new problems on the horizon. The moment we think we have arrived is the moment we become most vulnerable. And they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. Three days is the maximum amount of time that a person in the desert heat can survive without fresh water. So this was a very, very serious set of circumstances for three million people. Now they came to Mara. Now since the Israelites have been in uh, Egyptian bondage for 400 years, they didn't know the names of all the neighborhoods that surrounded them. And uh, what, what they did is, since everything was, every place was new to them, they, they kind of nicknamed that place according to their experience there. And they called this place Mara, which means bitterness, bitterness. And they could not drink the water of Mara. Again, the Israelites had just received this mind-bending victory. I mean, 10 plagues. A sea opens up. The children of Israel walk across on dry land. And then a whole division of the most powerful army on earth at that time was destroyed. As far as the Egyptians was concerned, this was a slam, this was a slam dunk. They expected problems to be, you know, a thing of the past. They, you know, with a God like that, I mean, come on, what problem could they possibly face? But they were surprised. They could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Another way of saying undrinkable. And they began to think in their minds the way we think. Well, if God was really for us, if God really, really loved us, why would he 
send us into a place of shortage, a place of lack, a place of thirst, a place of hardship. But God was trying to stretch their theology. And he was teaching them that the will of God includes dry places. Just because you're in a dry place doesn't mean you are not in the will of God. Moses was leading them in the proper direction, but they had to go through a dry place to get to where they're going. I have found in my life, when God wants me to grow, he first makes me uncomfortable. And this, this is what's happening here. Therefore, the name of that place is called Mara. After three long days without water, finally, they smelled some water in the distance. But when they got up closer, it was salty. It had metals in it. They could not drink this water. But therein lies our reality often with God. God, he, he brings a solution, but it doesn't always start out in suitable form. Most of God's answers to problems come to us at first in seed form. So they had water, but it wasn't yet suitable. And here's the deal. We first often have to learn to work with what, what we have until we can turn it into what we want. And God's about to teach them something about his ways and process. And in verse 24, it says, the people complained only 72 hours after experiencing one of the greatest miracles in human history up to that point. I mean, you only had creation and then the parting of the Red Sea. In terms of the magnitude of the miracle, just 72 hours later, instead of trusting God, thinking, you know what, he did it before, he'll do it again. Same God back then, same God right now. Instead of saying that, the people complained. Instead of saying, you know what, the same God made a way last time, we'll make a way this time. And sometimes faith is just that simple. It doesn't have all the answers, not that deep and profound, but you know what, God, you were faithful there, you were faithful there, you were faithful there. Did you really lead me this far to lead me? And they complained against Moses. Most people won't complain, but so hard about God, because they know God knows where to find them. So instead, they take folks that represent them in their mouths. So Moses is the whipping boy. He's like, God, we can't reach you, but we can get him. And they complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And the angels have been involved in this thing from day one. I mean, from the time of Abraham all the way through. And I'm sure they're standing. It's not in the Bible, but they're standing there scratching their head. And they're like, okay, God just divided a whole sea for these folks. And they're still nervous about whether or not God can get them something to drink. You see, it's not the problem but how you think about the problem, that's really the problem. Faith often boils down to the angle you choose to look at things when things don't go the way you want. So Moses did something key here. The Bible says he cried out to the Lord. 
Now, this is where many of us miss it. The children of Israel would come with, with their complaints, and, and they could, you throw them out your office, you, you call them out their name, and, and you get upset, you know, I, I did all this for you, how, how, how are you going to talk about me that way? But he didn't get caught in that trap. He cried to the Lord. And instead of internalizing things the way I know I often do, he brought it to God. This is what we do. People start complaining or some bad thing happens and, and we, we internalize. We're like, well, if I was a better parent, my child would not have. If I was a better wife, my husband would not have. Or if I was a better pastor, that member might not have. But Moses was too healthy for this. He took the problem to the Lord where it belonged. Here's what it took me a little, a little time to learn. Everyone's problem ain't your problem. I know that they say that sound mean. I'm nobody's savior. I, I can't save a one. I have a tough time with myself. The only thing I can do is cry out to God. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Listen to God. He said this. He said, Call to me. This is my first responsibility. This is your first responsibility as a husband, a wife, parent, brother, sister, whatever you are. Call to me. Don't waste time blaming yourself, kicking yourself, or finding ways to subconsciously punish yourself. Call to me. Again, what I've discovered is that I cannot control people. The only thing I can control is my response and my reaction to them. He said, call to me and I will answer you. I don't care what situation you are in, how unfair the situation is, how impossible it might seem. If you would call on him, he will answer. This is a promise. God said he'd do it. Here's the here's a little caveat, though. We may not like the answer, but he will answer. You see, when it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it's God's time, you can't stop it. He said, call to me, and I will, emphatic, answer you. It's a promise. And watch how he answers, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Our problem is what we don't know yet. Our problem is what God has not shown us yet. The answer we're about to discover with Moses was already there. He just didn't see it. Hmm. You know, in the book of Genesis... When God created the earth, the reason he rested on the seventh day was because everything that was needed was already there. He created trees with seeds in themselves. When there was a, a, a tree, God never, I don't know of God ever creating another tree since the first set of trees he created. He already provided for Adam. Even natural parents, when we know we're about to have a child, what do we do? We prepare a room. 
And we put stuff on the wall, and we get, you know, the cribs together, everything together. We, 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 we buy blankets and all the rest. These, these, these are fallen. These, these are selfish, often sometimes bad people. And we provide for our children even before they show up. How much more God. When God created this planet, he saw every human need, and he hid in electricity. He, 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 had, he hid fossil fuel. He hid every answer we needed in the earth. All we had to do was sink and discover it. See, scientists don't create anything new. They only discover the principles that God's already created. Right? Did you know that nuclear power existed 5,000 years ago? We just hadn't tapped into it yet. It was already here. They were driving horses and buggies, but everything for the BMW was already here. It was already provided. We just had to discover. You with me? Watch what God showed Moses, Exodus 15 and 25. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him everything's going to come out of what God just is about to show him. And the Lord showed him a tree. God would heal the waters, but only after Moses saw something for himself. God never intends to have a second-hand relationship with any of his children. Peter walked on water because Jesus told him to come, not just because someone else was doing it. What I'm trying to do is even before I begin this series, I want to protect you because the enemy is going to come and whisper some crazy things in your ear, and I need you to, to, to understand what the devil wants to do is take something beautiful like healing and turn it into something oppressive and cruel. And, and begin to beat you over the head with it because, you know what, you got sick. Or, or you know, if you were really a Christian, you, you, would, you, you would have been healed six weeks ago. And, and, or if you really, really loved God and if you really had faith, that family member would not have died. The devil is mean. The devil is cruel. And he will steal every joy from us if we let him. But my Bible says this, Romans 10 and 17. Faith comes by you hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is important. If the Word of God is not alive in your heart about a certain area, but it is alive in someone else's heart, it may be true for them, but very dangerous for you to try to copy. Until that thing comes alive. Stay with me. Exodus 1525. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Pay attention. God had to show Moses what Moses should do in his particular situation. There was a certain, not just any tree, God showed him a tree that Moses needed to use for his situation. Yeah. 
unless you are open enough to God to let God show you where your particular tree is, you can end up in a lot of trouble presuming. I'm trying to unpack this. Some folks that believe in healing have an aversion to doctors. But that might get you killed. <laughs> this may surprise you, but when I was in my 30s, I had an incurable disease. You know, we had numerous operations that uh, didn't, didn't get fixed. And they basically said, if this operation doesn't work, it's just going to be chronic, man. You're going to have to live for it. And the fact that I had a disease is not what, what would surprise you. But what the Lord told me, what he said to me was, I want you to listen to your doctors. When God finally healed that thing, I went back to the doctor, and it was the doctor that canceled the surgery. You can hear these truths and become so super spiritual and prideful, and it can hurt you. Some people have this thing alive in their heart, and they can do things you can't because it's not that big in you yet. I mean, you might hear today this message, but most of God's answers come in seed form. It starts as a seed. The day you put in the seed, and even the day the plant starts to germinate, and it pops its head above the earth's surface, that's not the day you can eat fruit of it. And what happens is sometimes we hear a truth, and it's really true, and God's really started to work in us, but we try to, 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 to step into it like it's fully mature, like we really have a hand. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and what we got to learn is to wait on the Lord till we know that we know that we know until it gets so big in you. I notice with women who are pregnant and trying to have babies, you know, they, they're, they're, they're a couple months in, and often they don't want to tell anybody. But then when it starts getting really, really big in them, then they call up everybody. <laughs> and we have to recognize with every subject that it begins in seed form. And don't get discouraged because you don't yet have the fruit of that person that's been walking in that truth for 20, 30 years. Some of you in this room, this is the first time you really even heard the subject the way you're about to hear it discussed today. And when Moses cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. God not only showed him the answer, pay attention, Moses had to do something with that answer. Throughout the Bible, the recipients of God's healing power almost always had a role to play. Now, listen, there's a difference between a miracle and a healing. Typically, a miracle is like that. A healing, just based on the original Greek and language, it, 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 it comes over time. As they went, they were made well. Do, do you understand? So healings are, are, often are a process. And for you, your, your first act of faith, maybe, you know what, I'm going to get those free healing scriptures and, and I'm going to get in that word until it starts coming alive in me. But you have to do something. Are, are you following me? You say, well, 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 Bishop, this is why it's hard to teach on the subject sometimes. Well, well then, then th th I, I know pastors who were dying, sick, and they didn't tell their congregation because they didn't want the congregation to look down on them because they were ill. 
There's something wrong with that pastor. Let me tell you something. Not only have I been sick, I've been sick on four continents, four continents. <laughs> North America, South America, matter of fact, include the Caribbean islands, okay? Africa and Europe. I remember the last time I was in uh, uh, Ethiopia, and uh, we, we were about to leave. And for some reason, I wasn't thinking, I decided that I'd go to this restaurant and I'd order some hot chocolate. I'm convinced that they got the milk from the cow we passed eating garbage <laughs> on our way in. I'm convinced. So I drank the hot chocolate. My wife's smart enough to have coffee, full of milk, different enzymes in this milk that I'm used to. By the time I get home to our hotel, I didn't realize how many holes I had in my body. <laughs> Surprised by some of them. I had towels all over the bathroom floor. Horrible. And I was going to leave in the next 36 hours. And here's the deal, just so you fully understand. It's a 20-hour flight. The first 20 minutes, you can't get out your seat. <laughs> Just so you know what we're dealing with. <laughs> but see, if you let immaturity and the devil get, well, if you're really a Christian, that would stop that nonsense. <laughs> we live in a fallen world, fallen genes, stuff in our environment. You hear what I'm saying? Stuff happens to the best and the worst of us, okay? But I want to go home. So I'm believing God. I put on my clothes. We get in. We're in this, this, this bus thing with all types of smells. Everything's going on here. Everything's going on here. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.